Praise the Lord. Now, let's go to Psalm 25 this morning, and I want to continue. Uh, I think with this is the last installment of a mini-series here, the third one, in which we've been considering Psalm 25. And as we were just in the communion, uh, Brother Aaron, when you prayed, I, this was not included in my message, but what you prayed basically sums up the message. <laughs> and so I wanted to share it because I want you to remember this as we go through. But he spoke about in his prayer, the road to Emmaus, where um, the disciples here with Jesus, and it, it was as they sat down, broke bread, they saw him, they recognized him. Their eyes, the Bible says, their eyes were open. And, and so it's in that context, I just want that to kind of sit there as we consider the rest of what we're going to consider this, uh, this morning in relation to Psalm 25. But I think it would do well for us to read it again and just to refresh ourselves and then we'll focus on that which we're going to consider this morning. So let's look, verse number one. Bible says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed, let not my enemies triumph over me. Indeed, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. Let those be ashamed who deal treacherously without cause. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you're the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindness, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth nor my transgressions. According to your mercy, remember me. For your goodness sake, O Lord, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he teaches sinners in the way. The humble he guides in justice, and the humble he teaches his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth to such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. He himself shall dwell in prosperity, or ease, or goodness is the word, and his descendants shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. My eyes are ever towards the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Turn yourself to me and have mercy on me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have enlarged, but uh, bring me out of my distresses. Look at my affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. Consider my enemies, for they are many, and they hate me without, with cruel hatred. Keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in you. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, for out of all their troubles. Now you will remember, just quickly, we've looked through various aspects pretty much up to verse 14. We've considered the, the, that which has been recorded for us. I lift up my soul to prayer of faith. It's a prayer of faith in relation to God's deliverance and His forgiveness and His divine intervention for His mercy. And so uh, this is David and uh, in, in relation to, he says, uh, forgive me of my, the sins of my youth. And he says it also, uh, for, uh, pardon my iniquity for his great. So we're dealing with the forgiveness of God. And he makes a prayer as well in which he says, in, uh, show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. And this is a prayer that we should pray because we need God to show us his ways and teach us his paths. 
And all the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth, as we've considered. And we looked also last time at the goodness of God. God is good, therefore, he teaches sinners in the way. And, uh, uh, and in light of his goodness, we also uh, touched upon the fear of the Lord, because it says to those that, that fear him, who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. And so again, we made a great emphasis on the fear of God. And so in just saying these things, I pray that uh, your mind is triggered on some of the things that we've considered and, and looked at. But uh, what I want to look with you this morning is specifically verse 14, where it says here, the, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him and he will show them his covenant. And so think about that, the secret of the Lord. Who is it with? It is with those that fear him. And what is the promise that's stated here? He will show them his covenant. Okay, now this is critical and it's crucial for us to see this and understand. Now, this has various applications. Obviously, David wrote the psalm, and we know that God entered into a covenant with David in 2 Samuel 7. So we have uh, that which relates to the covenant. So David, when he's writing, he's reflecting upon the covenant God who has made a covenant with him individually. But also, uh, in the context, uh, we can understand also uh, God's covenant in relation to Abraham, and that which relates to Abraham and the uh, Mosaic Covenant as well. And so when David is talking about the covenant here, he's making reference and reflecting upon these various aspects that relate to, to his covenant. But now for us, in, uh, in Christ Jesus, we too, eh, we have the new covenant. Amen. And so when it speaks about these things in verse 14, the secret of the Lord is with those that fear him and he will show them his covenant, then we find, amen, that it has application to you and I who are now in covenant relationship with God. And we have a new covenant and it is imperative that we understand our covenant-keeping God, that we understand the various aspects of the covenant that we are engaged in and in with before the Lord. And so this is important. We get saved from sin, we get delivered, we get born again, we're now in Christ Jesus. But that's only the beginning, amen? There is so much more to learn and to discover in this book and I tell you, there is, uh, there is stuff in here that as we seek the Lord and read His Word, God opens our understanding. And so, we have a covenant-keeping God and we are born again and we are in covenant relationship with God ourselves. Now, I think what's important as we consider the new covenant this morning is first and foremost, this is a covenant that was agreed upon, that was made in, in, in essence, uh, between the Father and the Son. You think about the, the work of Calvary, you think of the cross, you think of everything that Christ accomplished. This was something uh, that was uh, foreordained, uh, as the Scripture tells us, and that this covenant was cut, so to speak, uh, or this covenant was established uh, before the world even began. And what's interesting, and what I want to just bring to your attention to lay a bit of a foundation here, is that the word covenant in Hebrew means to cut, or a cutting. 
And so when you think about that, uh, we can reflect upon a few things and just to establish this truth. But think about Abraham. When God made a covenant with Abraham, Abraham prepared the, uh, uh, the, the animals and the Bible says he cut them in two. And then as he laid them on the altar, the Bible says uh, that the torch of the Lord uh, scorched through the middle and went right through the cut, the cutting. And that was where the covenant was sealed with Abraham in that moment. And so again, uh, you have a literal cutting that is being established to the Jew as well. What was the sign of the, the covenant? Circumcision, wasn't it? And so it was the outward cutting of the flesh that would identify them as part of the covenant people of God. And if anyone was to come into covenant with God, what was the first thing a foreigner had to do? Be circumcised. Thank God we don't have to do that today. But the circumcision is that of the heart. Amen? And so in the spirit. And so again, there is a cutting of the flesh in a spiritual sense but as we bring all this down and we talk about covenant, we're talking now about Christ. And so we begin to realize and we begin to see that where was the covenant cut? It was cut at Calvary. Calvary was where Christ was crucified. Amen. Where a spear was in his side and where he went through such horrific sufferings and he was cut in his flesh in order, amen, to establish the covenant, the new covenant. When his blood that was spilled and his body that was given. Amen? And so we, this is the foundation of the new covenant that we are a part of. Let me just read a couple of scriptures to highlight this because this covenant that God had established was something that was first in the mind of God before the, uh, not only the foundation of the world, but look at Titus chapter 1, verse 2. It says, In hope of eternal life which God who cannot lie, promised, or the word is covenanted, before time began. Before time began. Think about that. There is something profound in his foreknowledge and in God's foreknowledge that he had made a promise, he had covenanted the Godhead had covenanted, and as Jesus said when he came, I have come to do your will, O oh Lord. And so you have uh, uh, this, this whole thing playing itself out. And we understand, that the, again, that the covenant was cut at Calvary uh, between the Father and the Son. That's where it is established. But also, we know that the cross, amen, was what? Foreordained before the foundation of the world. See, God had a covenant in mind before time began. God had covenant in mind before the foundation of the world was even established. And the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 1.20 that he had foreordained the cross before the foundation of the world. And this is profound and it does give us insight. Actually, we're studying Genesis uh, in our Bible study. And when you see how God began to create and the things he began to set in place and how these things teach us something about that which is to come. And uh, it's quite profound, the, the depth of, of, of these things in Scripture. Because it's all there. 
and it's there because God had already uh, foreordained it. He already, he already promised it and covenanted it before time began. And now when he creates time, he sets it all in motion and he gives us an overview and an understanding of things that we can consider. And what will we learn about all of these things? One of the most important things to discover is that God is a covenant-keeping God. And so this is what David's reflecting upon. And uh, he says in verse 10, All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth to such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. And also in verse 14, The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. You see, associated with the covenant of God are the promises of God. Associated with the covenant of God are the provisions of God. And so when we use this word covenant, promises and provisions, these are broad words. But when you began to go into the word of God and discover all that it contains, it begins to blow your mind about everything that God has prepared for those that love him, those that are in covenant relationship with him, and the promises of God that are in him are yes and amen. And so therefore we can reflect upon the covenant and we can understand the covenant and we can see the realities of the covenant and we claim them as our own because they are our possession in Christ Jesus. Because God is covenant. And so we are to enter into that fullness. We are to understand the word of God. We are to understand the depths of all that's contained therein but let me ask you a question this morning is it your heart's hunger and desire to know the word of God is it is is there something in your heart that above all else has a hunger and a thirst and a desire and says God I want to know you Paul the Apostle, he even, having known him, his prayer was that I would know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. There is a constant drive in Paul the Apostle that wants to know him in a greater way and that is for us as well, amen. I've shared that beginning that God first spoke to me this particular verse many years ago and it laid a foundation and it's not like it's fully completed because it's not but in which God has begun to build upon that over the course of the years to reveal more and more and more of himself, of his nature and of his word. <clears throat> now let's just go to verse 14 because it says, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. Now again, I make the emphasis, I won't focus on it because we already have, but I make the emphasis, the, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, those who have a, 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 a gen now again, this is not the fear as we know, as our brother has just pointed out, this is not a, a fear that cripples us, this is the fear of the Lord that gives us a strength and confidence in God, that reveres him, that respects him, that understands who he is and gives him the honour and the reverence that is due to his name. And so when we order our conduct and we, when, we, uh, when our disposition before the Lord is as such, then we are walking in the fear of God, in the fear of the Lord. And the Bible says that this is the prerequisite 
to those who are going to discover, to those who will know the secret of the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I want to know the secret of the Lord. Amen? God, teach me, show me your secrets. What is it, Lord? There's more. And so let's now turn to this word secret in the Hebrew because I think it's important for us to understand this. The word in the Hebrew means, uh, listen to this, a session or intimacy. A session or intimacy. And it comes from a Hebrew root word which means to sit together. To sit together. Now, Let's just reflect upon this for a moment. Now, considering that we are in covenant relationship with God, that we are in Christ, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, that we are what? Seated in heavenly places in Christ. That is our position. That's where we are seated. And as our brother pointed out and he prayed, and as I, why I've mentioned it is because then those disciples, when they sat down with Christ and they began to break bread, Jesus began to uh, show them in the scriptures and open their eyes. And they actually he already had, but then the Bible says that they recognized him. They knew him. And they said, didn't our hearts burn as he spoke? Because I tell you, that would, you want to know the covenant, you want to understand the secrets of God. Could you imagine being there when Jesus was speaking those things and their eyes were open to the realities? We see the Old Testament as just some old book. Remember, the New Testament wasn't even written. And the gospel was being revealed and preached and the secrets that were contained were being revealed in such a way that they burned within their hearts. And they began to see him as he was and their eyes were open and they knew him. And there's something wonderful in that. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. And think about it. Now we are in Christ. We are seated with Christ. And we are in a privileged, blessed position because of the covenant that we are engaged in. Amen? Now, as I thought further (coughs) about this, we have also the word secret in the Hebrew conveys further thoughts. And it means to be a, a confident. To be a confident. Or in other words, the secret of the Lord is with those that fear him. Or in other words, God will reveal in a, in, in, to his confidence the secrets of God, the, the, re, the revelation and the, the pearls and the gems and the gold of his word, he will reveal to those that fear him. And now when you begin to see and understand it, you see this word also means a confident. Do you have someone that you can share with? A confident? Because it's only with a confident that you share all the inner depths. Isn't that right? You don't just go out to everybody and say, hey. (laughs) No, no, you may have a confident that you can confide in, that you will share the secrets of your life, the depths of your feelings and thoughts and all that you are. And this is in the exact same context. The secret of the Lord is with those that fear him. And he will show him them his covenant you see to think that I could be a confident that God could share it with me God could open my understanding that God could reveal more of his word to me that excites me 
And it says, you know what, I need to get more into this word. I need to read, I need to pray, I need to seek God. See, God just doesn't reveal his secrets to anybody. We know he's not going to share them to the world because he's not going to cast his pearls before swine, right? But let me ask you this question this morning. Does everybody in the body of Christ, does everybody who's in covenant relationship with God have the same amount of revelation and understanding of the Lord? Why? Is is there anything? Is it just because one, you know, I understand there are natural factors. One may be young in the Lord, one's older in the Lord, and and I I get all that. But there's something else to consider here that we mustn't mustn't neglect, and that is, well, let me ask you a question. Because I've met Christians that have been Christians, you know, over the course of my uh, years as uh, serving the Lord, and uh, they've been serving for, you know, 20, 30 years, and their, their, their depth of understanding of God is very shallow and limited, and yet you'll have someone who's younger in the Lord, and they've already outgrown them spiritually. Why? Is it symbolic of something? Is this a, you see, because God's not going to reveal his secrets to just anybody. Think, I mean, God loves us, and we're in covenant relationship with God, and, and these things are ours in Christ. But you see, they still have to be revealed to us. And so, the truth is that all Christians don't have the same knowledge and understanding. And let me say this, casual believers will not enter in to this what we're talking about, the secret of the Lord. They won't. They'll just remain on the outer. They'll remain shallow in their knowledge of God, very superficial in their understanding of God and the covenant and his nature and his promises and all of those things that are associated with it. Because God's not going to to reveal these great secrets to carnal, worldly believers, is he not? Will he? Of course he won't. See, the God used the word secret for a reason. He used it to convey to us a thought and an understanding that uh, it's not just going to be anybody that understands the secrets of the Lord. It's going to be those that are seeking him, those that desire him, those that have a hunger and a thirst for him, those that want to know him more. He will, he will open their understanding. He will open their eyes spiritually to see him and they will become his confidence and they will understand the secrets of the Lord. And so that asks, we must ask ourselves a question this morning. Are, are we seeking God as we ought to? What, what, have what importance is this book to you and I? Do you read it regularly, daily? into the word to read and to seek God in prayer and to draw near to God and he will what? Draw near to you, you see? See the connection? And so then all of a sudden he begins to open our eyes and open our understanding and the word comes alive. So let me just reiterate this and let me establish something here. The issue here is not that we merit the covenant promises of God, okay? Now this, I want to make this clear. It's not that the Christian life is based on performance because I, as a young believer, I was on that performance treadmill. You ever been there? Get, you, get, you get tired. <laughs> okay, so you're not earning something from God. 
Okay, it's not based on this. So what I'm, I know I'm pointing about these things, but they are symbolic and they are representative of something deeper and it's not based upon our works, it's not based upon our performance, it's not based upon us ticking the boxes, it's based upon us having a heart after God. And when our heart is for the Lord and our have a heart after God, then we will read, we will pray, we will seek the Lord because a heart that is desiring God can't but not. And that is the issue. It's the heart. The heart is the issue. And this is right through the Old Testament. This principle is not just a New Testament concept. It's a principle that governs the kingdom of God full stop. It always has. In Deuteronomy, let me read a few scriptures. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 29. But from there you will seek the Lord your God. And you will find him if you seek for him with all your heart, with all your soul. God's not saying, oh, well, now I've given you the law. Make sure you keep it. Make sure you tick every box. No, he's concerned about their issue of the heart. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, you know the scripture, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And one last one in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9. This is God speaking to Solomon. And Solomon's life is one to be considered, but we don't want to consider it now. But it says these words, As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intents of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. You see, God's not going to just reveal his secrets and his glorious truths to anybody. He's going to reveal them to those who have a love for the truth. A love for God. You see, because you have to have a love for the truth. In Bible says that they, they're not saved because they have not a love for the truth. And so the love of the truth has to be in us. Even as Christians, what keeps us from deception and error, because we all get susceptible and are vulnerable to it, but if we remain faithful and if we seek the Lord and if we're a lover of truth, God will speak, God will navigate, God will direct. Show me your paths, O Lord. Teach me your way. And so we have to have that heart for the Lord. And then the secrets of the Lord will be revealed to us. Now look at verse 15. It says, My eyes are ever towards the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. My eyes are forever towards the Lord. You see, there's a lot of things that we can focus on in life. There's so many things that want to draw our attention and our eyes being the window to our soul. What we consider, what we look upon, what we focus upon, that's which gets our attention. So we must turn our eyes unto the Lord. And the issue is very significant. That's why Paul prayed. Uh, in, in not in a, we, we're talking about it not just in a, uh, well, it's not a literal sense because you can't lift up your eyes and see God in that sense. But let me say this. Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 1 and he prayed that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, that they may know 
and grow under the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. In other words, Paul is saying, God, show them your covenant. Show them who you are. Show them your promises. Reveal to them your ways. See, this is so important. Show them your covenant. Open their eyes. Look at verse 14 again. It says, The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. The word show here is the Hebrew word, and it means, it means to, to, uh, to know. It means to know, and it mean, in the sense of through seeing. Okay? Now, isn't it interesting that uh, 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 Paul prays that their eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, that they would have this revelation of the Lord. Now, the word show in the Hebrew means to know, and it's, uh, it, the implication is to ascertain by seeing. And so to see God is to know God. Now, when we talk about seeing God here, again, we're not talking about in the physical sense. We're talking about through his word. We're talking about by way of revelation. We're talking about the knowledge of God that is deposited into our hearts and that is fed into our souls. Amen. As we read and search the scriptures, he will show them his covenant. He will make them know. He will make them see. He will open their eyes. Now think about this. Let me illustrate this further to you, okay? What I'm trying to say this morning. Think of the 12 disciples. Did, the 12, did all the tw- disciples have the same relationship with Jesus? No, they didn't. You'll know that there was variations in the, in the relationship and you can, in actual fact, uh, we know that uh, Peter and John were more intimate with Jesus than two others specifically, and others as well, but two others. Turn with me to John chapter 14. Let us look at this. In John chapter 14, look at verse 5. Now there's two disciples here, Philip and Thomas. Obviously he's known as Doubting Thomas, and Philip, well, maybe we can just call him the pessimist. But listen to what is happening here. I mean, Jesus is telling them not to have, not to be troubled in their hearts, obviously, um, and and um, to tr- you know, to trust Him in my Father's house are many mansions and and so forth. He's giving them reassurance. And then in verse five, Thomas said to Him, "Lord, we do not know where You are going, and how can we know the way?" Jesus said, "I'm the way, the truth, and the life." No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also, and from now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. Jesus said, you're looking at him. (laughs) Hello? Lord, show us the Father, and that'll be sufficient for us. Jesus says, look at verse uh, 9. Oh, sorry, Philip. Oh, sorry, um, verse 9. Jesus says to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not seen me? And have uh, me, Philip? Oh, sorry, let's read it again. Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? 
He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? What a silly thing to ask, Philip. Have you been with me now for so long and you still haven't, you've, you, you still can't see? You still haven't recognized? You still haven't come to know? Isn't that interesting? If you had known me, saying you still haven't come to understand the fullness of who I am. And there's a reason for that. It's not because God hasn't, is refusing to show it to him. It's an issue of faith here <coughs> uh, that precedes it, and that's another thing. But the point is, is that here you have 12 disciples, and here you have Philip and Thomas. They, uh, they are not in the same bracket as the, uh, some of the others, and especially when we look at Peter and John, and they were those that leaned on Jesus' breast at the supper. Because they had an intimacy, they had a relationship, they had seen him for who he was. And how did, Jesus, how did Peter know who he was? What, because Peter worked it out? No, he got a revelation from God. And so too had Philip and Thomas. But their heart was not in a place to have had that secret revealed. And yet, it had, and they had not yet known it. But you see, we see Jesus when we, when we are in his word. When we, when we read the Bible, when we pray and seek him, God opens our understanding. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, the word was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus. So when we read the word, we come to a recognition of Christ. We see him as he is, amen, and we begin to re... Uh, well, we'll see him more fully that day when we do see him literally, the Bible says, but now we begin to grow in our revelation, our knowledge of him, and we see him more and more. And so I think the issue of Peter and John and Thomas and Philip, I think they, um, they typify many Christians. We can all be in... Here, sitting in church together. But we can all be at various stages in our relationship with God. And that can be dependent on a number of things, but surely it can be dependent upon the fact that we're not seeking God as we ought to. We, walk, we come to church and we say, okay, I've ticked the box, I've been at church this Sunday, and off we go. Do you read the Word during the week? Do you pray? Do you seek God? Because this is only so, this is so minimal. We can all outwardly look like it's together, but what's happening inwardly in our hearts? Because that's what God sees. And based on that, that God will continue to reveal himself to you as you seek him. And so, eternal life, the Bible says, is knowing God. That's what Jesus said in, in John chapter 17, verse 3. Eternal life. Is knowing God. And it's coming into that recognition of having our eyes open and then growing as a Christian into his fullness, into maturity, growing into Christ. And God, that happens on the basis of those who fear him. He will, he, he, he will reveal to them the secret of the Lord is with those that fear him and he will show them his covenant. And so the question is, are we growing in the knowledge of God this morning? Are we personally growing in the knowledge of God? It doesn't matter how old we are. We're still always growing, amen? 
And it's not until that day arrives when we are in his presence that we'll see him as he is and we'll be perfected as is promised in the scriptures. And we wait for that day. But in the meantime, we're constantly seeking him. We don't ever reach a point where we can just back off and say, oh, well, you know, just going to you know, have a break from the Lord. Don't do, no, no, no. Continue to see him more and more. This is so important to the child of God. And so the point that I want to make this morning is that God is a covenant-keeping God. He's faithful. He's trustworthy. David has established that in the psalm. And uh, all the promises of God that are in this Bible are yes, sir, and amen. This is uh, the, the understanding the covenant and understanding the secrets of the Lord is, is, is the key to having a victorious Christian life. It's a key to living in the fullness of Christ. It's a key to triumphing always in Christ, regardless of your circumstances. Be them as they may, but it doesn't matter, amen, because greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And so we begin to live as a conqueror and we begin to live, as the scripture tells us, as an overcomer. Why? Because we know the word. We know God. We have a relationship with God. And he has shown us the covenant. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Faith. Faith is what always leads us and causes us to triumph. Faith. So, as I said, where are we at personally? Or maybe we're far from where we should be. You know, I was thinking about this, and as I was studying it, it, there's a scripture that talks about those that don't have the knowledge of God as they should. And Paul says, I speak this to your shame. Now this scripture is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and it's found in verse 33 and let me read to you its context. He says, Paul writes and he says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. You see, when you start hanging around with the wrong crowd, when you become unequally yoked with unbelievers, you are already on a path. How can God even begin? He's not going to show you anything in the Word. You see, and uh, don't be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. And then Paul goes and says in verse 34, Awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. In other words, there are those that should know better. There are those that are living and walking and conducting themselves in such a way that their heart is in the world and is of the world and their associations are, are such that they are, rather than spend time with the Lord seeking Him, they'd rather be spending time with, uh, with, uh, with sinners in a manner that is uh, inappropriate and ungodly. Are oh, you telling me I can't have any un friends that aren't Christians? Did I say that? No. I'm telling you, uh, this is where people get deceived. Because they don't realize that you, if you are too friendly with the world, then you will compromise with the world. 
You know, when I first got saved, I had a group of friends. Well, actually, they weren't even friends now. They're acquaintances, really. And when I got saved and when I began to serve the Lord, I had those, those that I thought were my friends, they forsook me. And I would go visit them individually and try and maintain some level of connection, but they weren't interested in my, my, I had a desire for God, they didn't. And then all of a sudden we grew apart and we didn't see each other anymore. Oh my gosh, what happened? I tell you, that's, that should happen because you can't, light can't mix with darkness. I'm not saying don't have a, Christ, a, a friend who's not a Christian, that, that happens. But what I'm saying is that don't be deceived into thinking that you can maintain these friendships and walk in such a way and not be led down a path. And Because I tell you now, when evil company corrupts good, will corrupt good habits and your associations will ultimately lead you to a destination. And it's not going to be God. Anyway, let's just move on. There are those that don't have the knowledge of God because they don't understand the scriptures. We plead with them. Don't do it. What are you doing? It's wrong. And they just see it as a law. It's not that we're trying to make it a law. We're just trying to appeal to you. Love the Lord with all your heart. Serve him only and obey him because you love him. So let's go to verse 15 again. He says, my eyes are ever towards the Lord. Where are our eyes this morning? Because where you're looking, that's where you'll end up. That'll be your destination. Listen to what he says in verse 15. He shall pluck my feet out of the net. You see, we have an enemy of our soul. And his aim is to steal, kill, and to destroy. And the enemy will do anything to undermine your relationship to God. He will do everything to undermine uh, you coming into a greater uh, uh, understanding of God's covenant and his nature and his provision. He doesn't want to see you established to enter into the fullness and completion of Christ. He wants to see Christians that are disabled and are constantly defeated and constantly struggling. And that's not the will of God for us, church. The will of God is for us to, to live victoriously. And I'm not talking about the prosperity gospel. I was away with Bob for a few days in Tasmania and Jimmy Swaggart was there and, and uh, his uh, son preaching and it was prosperity gospel all over and repackaged again. And I tell you now, I'm not talking that type of prosperity. Uh, when the Bible says in Psalm, uh, Psalm 25, he will dwell in prosperity, it means that he will dwell in his goodness. He will dwell in the best of the best. And that is, amen, God himself. Because there's only one good, it's God. And we are, we are blessed beyond measure in Him. And we, we are content whether I have much, whether I have nothing, it doesn't matter. Because godliness with contentment is great gain. All I have to have is Christ. And it's there. That's the secret. Amen. This book, it's got on, it should have written on a top secret. Because, uh, and then everyone will get curious and go, ooh, what's in there? Well, read it. Seek God. Pray. And the secrets of the Lord will be made known to you. Not just, you know, you know I have to say, can I say this? Because I'm a father and I've got children. And 
under, I, I understand more and more. I'm not going to say I understand completely because I don't. I, as my children tell me, I was converted at 18, and so it's a different story, different context. But you see, for Christians uh, and kids that grow up in Christian homes, it's important to understand this. Because some, you know, for some, it's so, there's a familiarity and there's a, they don't grasp certain things sometimes because of you know, their circumstances and for various reasons. But you see, at the end of the day, put it all aside and just, do you want God and nothing else and no one else? Because that's what it's got to come. Is Christ going to have the preeminence in your life? And rather than seeing your life as a bunch of rules and regulations, what mum and dad don't or don't want me to do, want me to do, and all of those things, and it's relevant because that's family, that's parenting. But you see, we've got to move and transcend beyond all of that because it's got to be Christ. And then you can begin to read the Word and you can begin to desire the Word because uh, sometimes what I've sometimes. It, Christians, because they're familiar with the Word of God, they don't pick up the Word of God because they've grown up around it, they sit in church, they hear it, they sit in a Bible study, so they don't need to pick it up and read it. What makes anyone different from anybody else? It's a treasure. Read it, seek God, and God will open your eyes. But see, David says, He shall pluck my feet out of the net. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, the Bible says. And we are those, amen, that it doesn't matter what the devil throws at us, even if we were to lose our life physically for, and you know, we're in Australia, but in the world, people are suffering for the cause of Christ. People are being persecuted for the cause of Christ and they are losing their lives. And uh, so let me say this, they win. They've already won. Because to, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so, uh, even in the midst of all of that, there is an assurance and there is a confidence. The enemy will never, ever, ever win. And uh, uh, because we are secure in Christ Jesus. We have a covenant-keeping God. And if we remain faithful, and as we continue to seek Him and draw near to Him, we will in, in, uh, experience the blessings that are associated with that. In Psalm 141, verse 8, the Bible says, But my eyes are upon you, O God, the Lord. In you I take refuge. My eyes are upon you. See, that's the, that's the issue. He says, Do not leave my soul destitute. Keep me from the snares they have laid for me and from the traps of the workers of iniquity. And let the wicked fall into their own nets while I escape safely. We will always escape, amen? Because God always leads us to triumph in Christ. It doesn't matter what strategy from hell the enemy will have or throw at us. It doesn't matter. I mean, yes, we may suffer in the cause of it, but it doesn't matter because you know what? Uh, he can't touch us internally, amen? Because we, are, we, are, we have a faith that is grounded on the word of God. We are in covenant with God. We, we, we understand the secret of the Lord. And he has shown us his covenant. And that's the rest of the context, actually, of David's psalm, if you want to read it for yourself. I won't read it again. 
But you see, we've got to keep our eyes upon Jesus. And we sang that this morning. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And we are to look to him. Who? Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Keep looking. Don't take your eyes off Jesus. doesn't matter where you're at, does it, Sister Joan, how old you are. Got to keep looking at Jesus. And when you look at Jesus, everything's going to be all right. Because, because there is a confidence, there is a full assurance of faith. There is a rest, there is a peace of God that comes into our heart because we know him. We understand the secrets of the Lord. God bless you this morning. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you for the word of God this morning. Lord, I pray that we would continue, God, to have a heart that seeks you. Lord, that we would walk in the fear of the Lord. But God, I pray as your word declares, the secret of the Lord is with those that fear him. God, we want to know the secret. We want to be your confidant. God, we want to be able to sit down together in fellowship with you, break bread in your word and have your word revealed to us. And let us see things, Lord, afresh. Let us see things new. Let us see things that we hadn't seen before. God, does you make them, reveal them to us. And God, show us the covenant. Show us your covenant, O oh God. And that we would be established in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all this morning.